correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, hello. And we're going to talk some RPGs, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about the Story Told Podcast. Yep, the Story Told is another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. It is brought to you by Logan... Griffin and Kim, mm-hmm. and it's a, well, kind of another podcast in many ways similar to ours, kind of a variety thing. They talk about a lot of different games, a lot of different, you know, topics uh, along the line of advice and so on and so forth, although I think maybe they they have a little more focus into even more, what do you want to say, like super narrative and indie story games than we do, where we tend maybe a little more towards Slightly more traditional style and yeah. and more, but you know, it, it very similar but a different take. I think is the simplest way to put it. They also do some APs. I think they're working on Promethean the Created along with City of Mist in in AP stuff. Um, they've got a really really good Exalted actual play in their backlog. Yeah, and uh, haven't had a chance to have Kim on with us yet, but we have had Logan and Griffin, and they're both really really cool people. Yeah, cool people happening, cool things happening over there. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, just search Story Told or The Story Told, and uh, you should find it. And of course, you know, failing that, we'll have a link to their, their feed page in the show notes. Yeah. And moving on, you have the podcast topic for the week. I do. I, I you know, sometimes it's weird coming up with topics, and every now and then you get this <laughs> idea that, that sticks in your head. I know we did an episode a really long time ago about inspiration, and I thought maybe we could revisit that a little bit, but maybe in a little more kind of focused sort of way, maybe. And actually, like, because I remember one of the things we talked about then was just stealing inspiration from, you know, books, movies, TV, et cetera, and so on. Yeah. And so I thought maybe we could kind of do sort of just a, kind of a spitball session based around, you know, something specific just to kind of look at the different ways you can take kind of a basic, fairly well-known story and, you know, look at it from different angles to use it in a game or, you know, break it apart and, and see, okay, we, we use this or we take this element from it and use it for something else. You know what I mean? And I thought a prime, prime candidate for this would be a movie that came out in all of 1990. So, Probably going to be some spoilers here if you've never seen The Hunt for Red October. To be fair, it is a 33-year-old movie. So. Right, so I don't feel too bad about spoiling it. And mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, you really should because it's a really good movie in the first place. And if we manage to spoil it and completely ruin this movie for you, I'm sorry. But go watch it anyways. <laughs> yes. I mean, the last time I watched it, I will say some of the CGI at the end does show its age. For 1990, I think it's pretty darn good. So, I think at its core, it's really a heist movie. Yes. 
at its core. <laughs> you know, now saying that, the basic premise of the story, again, spoilers, you know, if you care, is that this Russian submarine captain, played by Sean Connery, is pissed off at the Russian government because reasons and decides and like he's the top Russian submarine captain. So he has this been assigned to this brand new proto- prototype submarine and he decides, you know what? F you guys, I'm going to take the boat and leave. Now, the only people in on this are a handful of his senior officers. Everyone else on the boat knows absolutely nothing. And of course, this is a nuclear missile boat. It's set in the 80s, so, you know, Cold War, everything else. So he takes off and just disappears with his submarine. But to make matters better, worse, whatever, he also sent a letter to the Kremlin as he left saying, screw you, I'm taking your boat and running away. Which leads to many, many shenanigans of the Russians telling the Americans that he sent them a letter telling them he was going to go nuke them. And, you know, the Jack Ryan character thinks, you know what? No, I think maybe he's going to defect. And so they try to track down this boat in the middle of the ocean and, yeah, stuff. And how cool would it be if the twist at the end was that he stole this submarine to go and awaken Cthulhu or one of the great old ones? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) How great would that story turn out? That would be a, a wild, wild adventure. But that's actually kind of the stuff that I wanted to kind of talk about, is how you can take this this story and go different with it. You know, take take the basic idea and and veer off course somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could do all kinds of cool stuff, especially with Hunt for Red October, because it's at the end of the day, it is a naval captain commandeering a naval vessel and you have political intrigue from both sides talking about, you know, one side trying to convince the other side that this rogue naval captain is trying to start a war and the other side being like, yeah, okay, I'll believe you if you, you know, I'll mm-hmm. believe you when, when the um, hell freezes over. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to complicate matters as it goes, of course, you can't have the Russians know that you did get their brand new submarine. Right. And there's also all the crew on the submarine that doesn't know what's going on in the first place. Right. So you could play any any parts along that. You could be some poor bureaucrat that got a phone call from a warring nation that is like, hey, so, uh, funny story. <laughs> or yeah. you could be one of the guys on the ship. You could be the reason that the ship took off. You could be Sean Connery's character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Because God knows I've had a couple games where they've tried to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, playing it close to the original, I mean, I think Star Wars or any sort of, you know, mil- semi-military space game is probably your best fit directly. But, like... Honestly, you could do it with, like, a naval combat game. Yeah, you could do that. Like, if you had some sort of, like water based i don't know what like a pirate game right Mm -hmm. would work really well for that but even if you think about it the the big MacGuffin things the what they call them the dodecahedrons in critical role campaign two yeah is it's kind of the same plot line yeah it is it is you know what i mean 
I think the other thing you could do that would be really funny is if you set it in a mech setting. Yeah. Make a like a Power Rangers esque mech where multiple people have to be on hand to pilot it. Mm -hmm. And you just have one guy that's just like, all right, we're going to march this thing across enemy lines and figure it out from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like you could also just take it to where the guy is just going rogue and trying to start something. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's, you could do that. But like you said, you you could play as the captain and officers of the boat. You could play as the captain and crew of the boats that are trying to find it from either side. You know, it's a lot of options. I mean, yeah, there are a ton of options when it comes to, how you do this and how you could run that game. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, you know, like you said, you could even play as the bureaucrats on kind of either side, because in that particular case, you know, there was in, in, in the movie story, there's a bunch of technical and intelligence espionage stuff going on around it. But I mean, I think too, you can take it, you know, it doesn't have to be them stealing a boat or, or even a large machine. It could be, you know, the the princess of the kingdom has been kidnapped. Well, she really wasn't kidnapped. She ran away on purpose, but it was set up to look like a kidnapping or, you know, any sort of variation on a theme like that. Again, it's, it's to, in my mind, it's still the same story at its core. Right. But you can skin it different. You know, you turn it upside down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just change the skin on it, make it look like something else or make it deliberately look like the thing, but then twist it a very different way. Oh yeah. That's always the trick. Like, yeah, you could, you can do so much with, with just kind of, like I said, you, you, you can steal everything. As long as you dress it up different, people don't notice. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, you can steal just about anything and dress it up. If it's not dressed up like the, the thing that it is, people will never tell the difference. But I mean, I think in this particular example, I mean, I don't know if I've ever, ever talked to anyone who went, oh, no, that movie, you know, that movie sucks. I mean, it's just a really good movie. Great cast. Yeah. Hunt for Red October is a movie that it's a really fantastic movie. And and it, it, it I really enjoy it. But yeah, I've, I, I think I've met like two people in my life that are like, oh, man, that movie sucks. And both times I collectively went, I just don't think you have good taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't think you have, I don't think you're worth talking to about movies anymore. So, uh, <laughs> cause it's, it's kind of an iconic performance for a lot of people. It like Connery puts in a one heck of a performance in that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tim Curry didn't last too long, but no, but Tim Curry's always a pleasure to see anytime he's in something. <clears throat> Alec Baldwin is is uh uh Jack Ryan's really good. Mm -hmm. I I still we say We were just talking about that. Yeah, Jack Ryan in in my head canon Alec Baldwin is Jack Ryan. Yeah, and not Harrison mumbles a lot Ford. And and look, I like a lot of movies that Harrison Ford has done. I just don't think he fits the role. Look, there's something about those 90s Harrison Ford movies that I I have a lot of love for him, but I went back and watched some of them recently and was like, oh, yeah, these are bad. These are why he gets 
dogged on because he if he doesn't care about a role, he it's it's very clear when Harrison Ford doesn't care about a role because he will phone in a performance unlike anybody else I've ever seen. I've seen actors phone in performances, but it's immediately present if Harrison Ford does not care about that movie. Mm -hmm. And he did three of them, three of them in that series. And then Ben Affleck did one, I think. Uh, was it Affleck? It, clear and present danger, or not clear and present danger, some of all fears. Oh, yeah, it was Affleck and some of all fears. And then there was the like. Well, I think didn't Harrison Ford did Patriot Games, clear and present danger, and or maybe he only did two. He did Patriot Games and clear and present danger. And then some of all fears was uh, we talked about that already. Yeah. And then there was Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which I have not watched. I have not either. Yeah, I have read a lot of the novel series and oh yeah, yeah, okay. The the one we didn't yeah, Patriot Games. Well, look, I I I I I really dislike that adaptation. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, if I'm remembering right, Clear and Present Danger is the better movie. And I think that's just because it has the better cast. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's Harrison Ford, Willem Dafoe, James Earl Jones, Ann Archer, like that's a yeah, better cast. <laughs> I, I still say of the of the four, Hunt for, Hunt for Red October is hands down the best movie. Oh, of the, the best, world. yeah, I'm sure. I really enjoy Clear and Present Danger. I, I just I, have a fondness I, I for it. I did see it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, same with Clear and Present Danger. It was one of those movies that was like a TNT staple. Mm -hmm. for a long time and my dad was obsessed with those like oh i'll call them like a sunday afternoon hangover movie <laughs> right like you know the type it's it's an action movie that's not too loud so you're talking about the tnt movies the one that yes. i remember being on tnt constantly was surviving the game Oh, yeah. What's surviving the game so many times actually that that could actually be at least adventure fodder oh yeah it would be if really not, good adventure fodder you know campaign another one that i remember being a, a tnt staple and this is a little bit newer than that is training day i remember watching a ton a ton of training day i have i don't i have watched it i think it was a very very good movie yeah um but it's been a long time although i think i have it if I have it on VHS or on DVD, but I know I own it. Yeah, it's a really fantastic movie. It's really terrible to watch on TV. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really awful to watch on TV because Trading Day has a lot of swearing, and they just and they do that thing they do when a movie plays on TV, and they edit the crap out of it. Mm -hmm. And so you just get these funny overdubbed scenes. Oh. It's just so goofy. It's just so goofy. Like, I understand not wanting kids to hear things that they shouldn't hear, but good grief. Just don't uh, don't show the movie at that point. <laughs> just Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, as I recall, that movie is pretty violent. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's very violent. It's a movie that should not be shown on TV. Well, yeah. I mean, great movie is. is oh no, a, I'm not saying it's bad in any way. I'm just saying that if you're worried about the general audiences viewing it, maybe don't. Maybe just don't. Yeah, but I think you know it, it's it's you know I think when it comes to 
getting back to our kind of our topic that, uh, about, you know, stealing inspiration, it, think about, you know, the the themes and the kind of like the big picture of what's going on and like try and look at a different angle you can look at it from. Right. You know, like even again, to go back to Hunt for Red October. So the, the you know, the whole thing is very much the U.S. versus the Soviets, right? What if, let's say, you want to play the English Navy that's somehow caught in the middle of all this <laughs> and they just don't know what's going on because, you know, the two superpowers are like running all over the place doing crazy stuff. Mom and dad are fighting. What do we do? <laughs> well, right. But like, you know, okay, so take that, say, you know, we'll go to Star Wars just because it's on the top of my head for some reason. So you've got this this thing where, you know, in the right time frame, say, you know, the, the remnant of the rebellion and the, <clears throat> the new, um, you know, the new republic, whatever, are having this big tangle. And you've got this kind of private, you know, independent nation, planet, whatever, kind of like, why are all their ships, you know, in our section of space? What do we do? You know, how do you, how do you navigate this, I mean, powder keg situation? Whatever you do, don't bring Chopper. That's all (laughs) we know. We know we leave Chopper at home for this adventure. (laughs) Well, yeah, probably. Because he will find a way to commit war crimes. Look, I have I have tangent here. Hmm. Astromech droids are always little assholes. Oh yeah, would you? Would you? Your whole your whole existence, you have been made to die on the outside of a spaceship. I think I'd be a little asshole too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it, R two is a little prick. Well, yeah, he's ride or die. He's great, but he's a little prick when it comes down to it. Oh, yeah, no, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't blame Chopper for what Chopper does. Like, you're the shortest thing, and you also have been designed to go get blown off the exterior of a spaceship. <laughs> you're not one. You're not one of the protocol droids. You don't get to live inside the spaceship. <laughs> and you can't even really speak. No. Well, Chopper's figured out a way to. Kind of, but... yeah. No, it's like, you can't really speak. Like, people sort of understand you, but I want to believe that everybody that talks to, like, Chopper and R2 or BB-8 or any of the droids is, like, just acting like they know what's being said. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why, I think that's why they're such little assholes, because they, like, people just aren't understanding what they're telling them. Just perpetually misunderstood. Right. I think I'd be a little upset too. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I sort of understand why, uh, <laughs> it, it, oh man, I love me some Max. They're, they're like my favorite characters in star Wars a lot of the time. Yeah. But I mean, I think, like I said, that's, that's the thing is, you know, look at this story that you know, well, from right. a different perspective and you can unlock all sorts of crazy, you know, plot twists or whatever you know like i said before okay so you you take for a fantasy setting you take uh hunt for red october and make it a a a kidnapping slash defection type thing well what happens if the people who were hired to make it look like a kidnapping decide to make it an actual kidnapping you know or are your characters hired to make it look like a kidnapping yeah were you paid by somebody 
And see, that's where that political intrigue stuff comes in. Right. That's where that, like, being able to play both sides and, you know, we're going to play this side against that side. We're going to try this. We're going to do that. You know, it's it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did. I also I like your idea of, of doing it as kind of a mecha in a mecha game. That could be really fun. You know, even if it's it's a squadron of mecha, you know, the new prototype, latest, greatest thing. You know, if that might be easier to pull off as far as in terms of an RPG. Yeah, I, I think doing it as a mech is really cool. I think doing it as some sort of naval or even in D&D doing it as like a boat thing is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You know, do it. Uh, you know what would be really fun? This kind of combines two things that we both kind of enjoy. Do it as like some sort of. And I'm not 100% sure how you would, but do it as like a trucking adventure. Okay. Okay, well, okay. Here's, now, this will lead me into another obscure movie that I think is a fabulous RPG plot to steal. Mm. I think I, I mentioned this one to you. I was actually going to run an adventure at Gamer Nation Con based around it, but they ended up choosing the other one. It's a movie from, I think, 84, 86, called Black Moon Rising. You've talked to me about this, and I don't remember what the plot of the movie it's, was. Okay, well, it's Tommy Lee Jones and Linda Hamilton, I believe. Okay. So the the basic plot, and again, here, spoilers for an obscure movie that's now almost 40 years old. Tommy Lee Jones is this pretty much master thief, and he's hired to... Actually, he's being pressured by the police to break into this place and steal basically data tapes, you know, because this is very early era of computers, whatever. So he breaks in, successfully steals the tapes, but on his way out is come across by the head of security at this place, who is a, shall we say, former associate of his. So he gets away and, well, he he mostly gets away. He ends up at a gas station and there's this car on a trailer at the gas station. So he stashes the data tape on this car. It's this weird prototype car. So then the the guys chasing him catch up with him, kick the crap out of him, but he doesn't have the tape, you know, they can't find the tape on him, whatever. Anyway, so the but he overhears the people with the car saying that they're gonna be at this restaurant in LA like at two days at seven o'clock in the evening. So he's like, well I'll just go there. I'll steal my thing back from him then and I'll give it to the cops. You know, meanwhile, he's playing this cat and mouse game with the people chasing him. The cops are pestering him to like, and by the way, the lead cop is Bubba Smith. Um, <laughs> the cops, you know, are pestering him to, to, to get this, you know, stuff to them. And he's basically all but being blackmailed into doing it, you know, by the cops. Well, then at the restaurant, this, and it's, you know, this high end Beverly Hills or Hollywood, you know, whatever the restaurant is hit by a car theft ring that's stealing all the, you know, Mercedes and blah, blah, blah. And they steal the car with the tape still in it. So now Tommy Lee Jones ends up trying to connect with the people who the car belongs to, to help him try and break into the place where the car is being held. Plus he also kind of hooks up with Linda Hamilton's character who is part of the car theft ring. And yeah, anyway, but the idea (laughs) that, yeah, it's actually, Given the era, it's not a bad movie, but like the, the, the kind of the heist within a heist. And then you have almost three sides 
kind of trying to work sort of toward the same goal, but each with their own sort of motivations and interests. Yeah, that's really freaking cool. I think that would be... I think it's a great cyberpunk storyline, even though it's not really a cyberpunk setting. Yeah, I I think you could do it as a cyberpunk storyline. I think you could do that as... uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of things you could do that as. Like, you could throw that in a lot of things. You could do it as Shadowrun. You could do it in cyberpunk. You could do it in... Why not something like Mutant City Blues? Mm -hmm. I think the tricky part with that as a story is if it's the PCs you kind of almost have to have them either be the ones who want the thing that the thing is hidden in, you know, because otherwise you almost have to somehow get them to hide something on something so it can be stolen. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, I think you're onto something where they, they want the thing that it's hidden in, or you just make them the people that are looking for the thing that's hidden. Or to, again, turn the story on its head. Are they the ones who stole the thing that had the thing hidden. Yeah, in. now they have it, and they're like, oh no, bigger, better things are coming our way. And then you can take it as, do they not want the thing that's hidden in it? By the way, I also think that movie was a major inspiration for, what was it? Was it Fast and Furious 7 that was set in, in Dubai? The one where they jumped the supercar out the window? Those movies all run together for me. Yeah. I have no it, clue. I think... After this... the first three, it's like, okay, it's the Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> But I think the movie was also a major inspiration. Uh, you know, Black Moon Rising was a major inspiration for that. Probably. Yeah, I, I, that's a movie franchise that you could do a lot with. Yeah. Because those first, like, legitimately the first three movies in that franchise are about racing cars. And then, I don't know, that Family. it takes a turn. It t- Yeah, it takes a turn. <laughs> it, it goes from racing cars to... One of the most interesting performances I've ever seen out of Jason Momoa. I can tell you that much. I haven't seen any of the ones with him in it yet. He's in the most recent one. And um, I kept getting clips of it. And I'm like, I got to know what movie Jason Momoa is in acting like this. Uh, and I, I watched it. And it's it's pretty, it's not good. But uh, he's fun. I like him. I, I think I, I'm up through, I think, seven. Hmm. Which, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think the one that. The next one I need to see is the one called Fate of the Furious. Yeah, that's eight. But yeah, like you can take a lot of that and and again, because, well, they they do the, the height. The thing that you need to steal is in the car a couple times. And so they end up taking the car or, you know, the, the craziness of the what's the one they do where they are towing the safe. vault. Yeah, and they, they switch it somehow. Yeah, that's like that was the one before Paul Walker died or is that the one that he he died and they like gave him a send off at the end of that movie I don't know that was I think seven yeah so yeah that that's a wild adventure but again you know think about that or or do you just because look we all know that your players if something crazy is happening they will try and get in the middle of it probably at least indirectly and once they're trying to get indirectly, you can make them be directly involved. Everybody stops and points fingers directly at the player characters. Right. So, I mean, like I said, you know, you know, like I said, I, I think the thing is, like I said, you, you take, take these storylines and just try and look at it from a different angle or, or maybe go, you know, you know, I, like I said, I don't know. What if this and, you know, 
Well, it goes back to the what if then else, you know? Yeah. We've talked about that. The majority of movies that are written are that. What if X then Y? Um, yeah. I watched a movie the other night. Really good horror movie. Highly recommend it. It was called... Oh, no. Haven't seen that one. What was it? It's got a really obnoxious title. Um, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Okay. Really bizarre movie. Um, It's about a... uh, Without giving too much away, I had a good time with it. If if you don't like it, obviously, you know, whatever. But um, it's a movie about people going out and bringing back people for their brother to eat, essentially. He, like, drinks blood and they bring people around him uh it's a really bizarre movie but uh it was really good it could be a really interesting like vampire game or um it could be a really interesting just general horror game mm-hmm. do a call of cthulhu like we've talked about call of cthulhu but do a call of cthulhu game out of something like that mm-hmm. we have people going out and kidnapping people and maybe you have your team of investigators looking into why people are disappearing you know, it's it's one of those type of things. But yeah, so I just thought of another twist, kind of a twist on the Red October story. Okay, so let's say the original plan was for the Red October to do a sneak attack. He leaves, breaks contact because you know that's, and then the Russians decide, oh wait, we don't want to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the Russians check it out, and now they're yeah. like, hey, you got to stop that ship because. Uh, he has old orders. I think that's an even funnier situation than the actual case for Hunt for Red October. Because then that's the Russians. That is an opposing enemy calling up another opposing enemy and being like, look, um, there was an oopsie whoopsie, and we need to talk about it. <laughs> we may have sent a crazy man to come and destroy you, but we don't mean it. <laughs> we we don't we don't mean it like that. We didn't mean to, you know, blow you up like that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> can you go take care of it? Cause, uh, we can't get a hold of it. But you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you know, just think of different ways to like, look at it or, or, uh, you know, like I said, turn it a little bit. Yeah. And I think the funny thing with that is that hits a little too close to home with some of the stuff that happened during the cold war. Well, like the entire Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, well, where it's like we uh, we think Cuba launched missiles. What? <laughs> well, uh, interestingly, and I, I've heard this story, and whether it's true or not, I don't know. But uh, they say I've heard that originally Connery turned down the role in Red October. Oh, because when he was initially faxed the script, the fiction disclaimer was missing. Oh yeah, I heard this story, and he was he thought it had happened. Yeah. He thought it was at least like a, a semi-documentary. Yeah. Oh, that was wild. I remember hearing that story, too. I don't know how true that is, but I remember hearing that story. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's funny. It's not funny. It's not funny at all, but it is kind of funny. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, it, it, you know, we've talked about a few different movies, but, I mean, think of, you know, how many different movies you can take, you know... <laughs> There's, and, and, it's it's probably easier to find a list of movies that don't turn into tabletop RPGs well than it is to find a list of movies that do. Probably. 
Because I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of movies that wouldn't work well. I, I don't know, maybe like Twelve Angry Men, Mr. Right? Holland's Opus. Yeah, I mean it's a great film. I love that film. Yeah, but... or even you know another Baldwin film. Um, what is that? Glengarry Glen Ross. Is that a? Is that what it's called? I haven't seen it. So, oh the um the one where they're real estate people always be closing that one. I don't remember what the actual title. Somebody will correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really fantastic movie that I don't think would translate well to a tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it's easier to find movies that don't or well, it's a shorter list at the very least. Mm-hmm. But even like, OK, something like, say, Grumpy Old Men. Oh, you could easily do Grumpy Old Men in as something. You could or you could just use them as reoccurring Kind background of, characters yes yeah. yeah um you do that you could do like comedies are kind of i mean unless it's a really i don't know i guess unless it's got a really bizarre premise maybe like i think the only movies that don't work really well are movies where it's a lot of and as bad as this is i i feel like movies that are a lot of just people sitting in a room talking don't work well for tabletop rpgs even though there's a lot of those good movies yeah like the Godfather. I don't think the Godfather works in tabletop RPGs. I think it's a fantastic movie. I don't think it has near enough action to keep players invested. But does it have enough, and I'm going to call it political intrigue or social intrigue, for a lot of tables to get really invested in something like that? Possibly. Like I, I know I, that's not like we tend more toward. Yeah, we want at least somewhat action-focused games. Yeah, focused, I, but action, very action inclusive. Let's put it that way. I feel like I feel like that's a solid maybe. <laughs> I feel like that's a solid, you know, maybe you could get enough political intrigue, but it would take I think it takes a, a little bit of I think it takes more footwork mm-hmm. than you'd really want to. You know what I'm saying? Well, but isn't that like kind of like what the whole thing with what is it? The Camarilla in Vampire the Masquerade is kind of, in a way, just a giant organized crime syndicate. All of all of uh, all of the houses in Vampire are some sort of organized crime syndicate, like the Camarilla, mm-hmm. especially. But like, there's the anarchist group. There's the you know super prim and proper ones. There's the you know it's it's all that's kind of that game at a, at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um as somebody who's been reading a lot of vampire, that's kind of the point of that game. Mm-hmm. Cause the people that are really into vampire, that's what they get into it for. I, at least the people that I've interacted with that get into vampire are in it for the, like maybe not so much the horror of the whole situation, but more so the political side of it, which is why that I, I f- said for a while that I felt that that system is really daunting. That's kind of why, because experienced vampire players expect a certain amount of... Now, I've talked about this before, and I, I really don't care if I'm repeating myself, but experienced vampire players expect a level of um, knowledge of the the world and the lore that I'm not, I'm not 100% comfortable with just yet, but that's not me saying that that's a bad thing. Somebody mm-hmm. that knows it knows it, and that's great. It's kind of like how you are with Forgotten Realms. You know mm-hmm. how you were like, oh, man, I, I don't know enough about this to feel comfortable in it. Right. That's kind of how I am with vampires. Like, I know a cursory amount and I know what I've read, 
but I don't know enough about this to feel super, super comfortable in it. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's, that's completely valid. And I think too, you know, that building up all those webs of social intrigue, especially I think, again, this is being a bit stereotypical, but like you were saying, the, what, at least we think that those hardcore players expect that's just not our wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that I, you know, I me, kind of, I, I, I agree with you and I disagree with you. So I want that to be my wheelhouse. I just don't have the time investment to make it my wheelhouse. Well, I think, okay. So for me, if, if I've got a, kind of technical whatever MacGuffin involved, mm -hmm. you know, like a submarine that for me, I can, can spin off of that much easier than I can just people playing for a power grab. Right. Right. I agree. You know, and, and again, I'm not trying to say that, excuse me, that one is better than the other or anything like that. Just that that's not how, I compute things. Well, and I'll say this, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've known you long enough to know that your politics, like politics for the sake of politics, doesn't interest you in any way. No. And I have a little bit of that. I kind of like some politicking happening. Like I like the, I I like the like White House and Kremlin scenes in hunt for red October. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I like that, like bureaucracy is happening. <laughs> okay. Yes. In that regard, but see now those I find interesting, but to me, that's a backdrop around a physical thing. Right. Right. Yeah. If you had a whole game or a whole story uh, that was just that you'd be like, I'm bored. I think it's just because I very much for lack of a better way to connect with mechanical objects. Like, I'm just fascinated by how things work and, and whatever. Uh, no, I, I'm not. It's not a dog at you in any way. I understand where you're coming from. Because, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about some things where I'm more connected to the mechanical than I am connected to the interpersonal relationships in a lot of ways. And I have stories that I consume that I'm like, man, I do not care about these people. 90% uh, of the Gundam that I've watched, I don't care about the characters in the show. I care about the mech that's on screen. Mm -hmm. um, Evangelion's kind of the difference for with me for that. I, I Not that I care. Well, I care, but I acknowledge that nobody in Evangelion is a good person. <laughs> well, yeah. Nobody in Ava's good. Like, there's not one single person in that entire franchise is a good person in any stretch. And, like, but that's, I mean, that's the whole point of that show is it's supposed to be a deconstruction look at um, the mech genre. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, traditionally the mech genre is your main characters are incredibly likable. You're supposed to care about them. You're supposed to get invested in them. Whereas Evangelion is going, yeah, don't, uh, nobody here is, is, everybody's a war criminal. Everybody is bad. Everybody has done evil things and, uh, don't, don't like them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, which reminds me, and I'm just going to go on this little tangent for a half a second while I'm talking about it. The director of Evangelion has been making live action movies. He did a, a Godzilla movie called Shin Godzilla. 
And more recently, he did a Common Rider movie called Shin Common Rider. And it is fantastic. It's on Prime. Um, yeah. Hideaki Yano directed it. And boy, is that movie good. I might have to check that out if I have some spare time. It's pretty brutal. It's pretty, pretty... I, I don't say want to say graphic because... So Common Rider was always sort of a kids show. Uh, there was a couple series in the in the 80s that were more aimed towards adults. But for the most part, Common Rider was aimed towards kids. So anytime somebody got punched, kicked, beat up, it was just sort of, you know, there was this like a kick connects. There's no like explosion of blood or anything. In Shin Common Rider, there's a little bit of some mild body horror. I, I don't want to say like severe. Uh, but the idea is that like they're grafting basically they figured out a way to unlock bugs and and different creatures and and unlock their abilities and enhance humans with them there's a little bit of that like ooh that's kind of gross but there's not enough of it for me to be like no no don't watch it it's it's really gross <laughs> and then the other thing that's kind of offsetting or off-putting is that people just sort of explode into like putties, which are, or well, I call them putties, but the, the like generic henchmen just sort of explode into red mist every time they're punched or kicked or like, <laughs> beaten up in any sort of way. So it's not like I can say that it's super gory, but there is a notable amount of blood more than there is in the actual TV show. Fair. But it's a really fantastic, it's on Prime. If you got like two hours, kill it because it is such a good time. Fair. And that was Steve's movie corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about movies all night. So, yeah, I just wanted to because I I haven't talked about it on the podcast and I watched it a while back and I've been like, man, this is really fantastic. Which I I like Shin Godzilla too, and it's kind of the same. It's it's a Godzilla movie except it's darker, more graphic. Like. Hmm. It's it's a more aggressive Godzilla movie. It's it's got a lot of that gross body horror stuff, mm -hmm. um, which is not something I'd expect to say in a Godzilla movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like fair. Yeah, I, I if you're a fan of Ava and you like Hideaki Anno's other works, go check out Shin Kamen Rider because it's really good. Um, he hasn't moved past any of his like humanity is a disease and we need to get rid of the disease <laughs> he still has all of it from the 90s i mean that's his whole mo but yeah um yeah just cool stuff cool we got any other movies anything that you've watched recently that you want to talk about i'm trying to think the last actual movie i watched i watched the start of the meg oh and then i fell sorry. asleep <laughs> I'm sorry. I watched the Meg 2 and I had a horrible time. Barbie's really good. If you get a chance to watch Barbie, it's a really good time. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, it. It's, believe it or not, it is very, very funny. Oh, it, it may well be. I just, you know, I've got yeah. enough other things that... Uh... That's going to go on the bottom of the pile. I understand. <laughs> I, I understand completely. Um I'm more so saying to the audience, if you haven't seen Barbie yet, maybe go watch Barbie because Margot Robbie puts in a fantastic performance and Will Ferrell's in that movie and he does a really well, good job. Okay. And anything Ryan Gosling's in, 
See, I'm not a Will Ferrell fan. Oh, well, I would like to report that he's only in it for maybe 15 minutes of actual screen time. The only movie he's done that I actually like is The Other Guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, if, you, if you're if you not, I, I, I forgot that you're not a Will Ferrell fan. If you're not a Will Ferrell fan, you're not going to like his performance in Barbie because he is just playing that Will Ferrell character. You know the one. <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, that movie is really fun. I had a really good time with that. Oh, like uh, I said, I mean, trying to think. Been watching Ahsoka? Have you I've been... watched the first two episodes. Okay, well, you're still then what is now three episodes behind. Yeah. Uh, I will say, again, not to spoil anything, even though I'm behind, gosh, are the backgrounds, like the the, scene, the settings in the backgrounds, amazing. You know what? And I agree with you. The thing I walked away from with those first two episodes is how fantastically cast that show is. See, I did not like the Hera casting. Oh, that doesn't feel like Hera to me. I don't know. I like her. I'm not saying she's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't. Maybe part of it is there's no accent there. Yeah, she doesn't have the accent, but it's, I don't know. For me, it's also a different Hera. Fair. It's not, this isn't the young Hera that we had back in Rebels. No. This is, this is... Um, General Sindula. General Sindula, and she has a a real job and has a kid. Which spoilers if you didn't know that. Um, well, if, if you, you didn't know that, Rebels. You, yeah. Oh man, the most terrifying thing happens in in um the most terrifying implication happens in Ahsoka, and it's not really spoilers. Hera lets Chopper watch her kid. Do you know how terrifying that realization is? If that it she's was just anyone like... but Hera, <laughs> I would say yes. But Chopper and Hera have like a very special relationship. Yes. Yeah, but even still, I would not let my kid in. Like that's like having like that one friend that you've had for a million years, but you know they're kind of scuzzy. You're like, yeah, you're. I love you to death, but you're uh you're kinda you're kinda gross. Like you do gross things. And well, and you're just like, well, you know what, you can watch the kid, it's fine. Well, <laughs> but in the same regard, Hera is Chopper's person. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Hera is Chopper's person. Chopper Hera is the only person that Chopper listens to. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. It's just funny to me. It was just a realization. I was watching the most recent episode and I was like, oh my God, no, no. Um, you know what? I, I really have been enjoying it. I know a lot of people and I, I, I'm sorry, this is just going to devolve into just going to devolve into a conversation about Ahsoka for a minute because I need to talk about it. I have been so pent up and not able to talk about it. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that I think Ahsoka is not, it's not the best live action show. I like it more than Book of Boba Fett. And I personally like it more than, um, than Andor. But that's, well, you got to remember, I'm not a fan of Andor. 
And I'm not saying it's a bad show. I get people like it because it's a different take on Star Wars. But for me, I just I, I don't care about the space DMV. <laughs> I just I just cannot care about the bureaucracy. Like and this is after having a conversation about I like political intrigue, but I, I just don't care about the bureaucracy of the I just don't. I can't get myself to care. No, I've I tried mean, so many times. <laughs> and then look, I mean, I'm not saying that your opinion isn't valid. I'm just surprised. Um, yeah, I, you know, for me, I think Mandalorian depends very much on the season. I have said, and and as good as season three was in its own way, I would have been perfectly happy if they ended it after season two. I still would be. I think the plan was to, and then it made too much money, and they're like, we're going to take this into the ground. I honestly believe that that's what the... I think that Filoni was like, all right, we can wrap it here, and Disney was like, nah, man, we're going to take this and run it right into the dirt. There's still more money in that little green guy. Yeah. Well, I I mean, that's just the truth of it. You're not wrong. So... Like, Obi-Wan, I thought, was good, but be honest, Obi-Wan wasn't my favorite character in that movie, or in the movie, in the series. Yeah, I forgot that Obi-Wan came out. I completely forgot that we got an Obi-Wan series. I'm not even joking. I <laughs> I was a thing that con- had not crossed my brain. I, I like it. It's okay. Yeah, I, I think it's it's good, but, like... And I'm drawing Could a blank on the name of the character, but I actually want a spin-off series about the uh the, the Inquisitor uh, that gives up being yeah. an Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they're doing some cool stuff in Ahsoka. Yeah. What I've seen of it so far, I, I like the you know yeah, the the Dark yeah. Jedi or whatever they're calling them. Yeah. And um is that again, avoiding spoilers here, but is that uh the old lady who I think it is. Mm, who do you think it is? Oh, what's her name? The 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 one that was Dooku's apprentice for a little while. Oh, um and then because remember she kind of helped Ahsoka at the very end toward the very when she left the Jedi Ventress. Oh, no. At least we don't we we don't have any confirmation of that. Okay. That is um She's a new character. Okay. Yeah, we have no as far as I as far as I know, she's a night sister. Right. Which I didn't think Ventress was a yeah, night she sister. Was. Oh, I forgot. But no, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that she's a new or at least a new to the to the um cinematic, cinematic universe, universe character. Because I'm I think that she's yeah, I think that she's um, extended fiction, but I haven't watched the credits close enough to see a name. So, and I haven't heard her called by a name yet. So, Morgan Elsbeth is the name. She, uh, I, I want to oh, say wait, she gets okay. named in like episode two. Oh, that's right. Okay, I didn't, I didn't connect her with the the. Okay, you're right. She was named. No, it was first episode. Yeah, even in the intro. Yeah, she um, she's fine. I have no no complaints as far as her as a bad guy or her as an actress. I think. I'm oh no, really I, I didn't mean that at all. 
just the the character reminded me of Asajj Ventress. Yeah, it and she's not. I I it, see, and that's like everybody. Uh, no, I can't talk about that. Everybody's speculating who Marak is the the Inquisitor with the mask. Okay. Um, I haven't seen the episode that drops today, which is episode five. Supposedly, episode five of Ahsoka is supposed to be so good that they released it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, it is supposed to be so cinematically compelling that it justified a theatrical release. Okay, then. I have no clue. I haven't seen it yet. But that's that's what Disney was doing. And I was like, uh, all right, sure. <laughs> Fair enough. But moving on with... Uh, Moving on from movie talk, <laughs> any final thoughts before we move into game of the week? I mean, not that I haven't said it already. I don't think, you know, like I said, just, just take these things and, and, and look at them maybe from a different perspective than what's presented in, in the familiar form of the story. And then think how you can twist it and turn it a little bit just to keep people off balance. Yeah. We've said all this before, yeah. but I'll say it again. Take the thing you like, file the serial numbers off of it, present it to your table as a new thing. Nobody's going to notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't even have to file all the serial numbers off of it. <laughs> yeah. Just the big ones. Just just the... And, and looking at it from that altered perspective can kind of take some of them off in its own way just at that. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at it from a different angle, as long as you don't call, like, if you don't call it the Red October, but you call it the Blue December, I don't think anybody's going to notice. You know well, what I mean? They might there, but, you know. Yeah. Somebody might. Somebody might be like, are we? And you just look at them. You just, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> I love, I, I love blatantly lying to players. <laughs> That's a different conversation. All right, then. Um, but, yeah. So let's move into Game of the Week, then. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! I have a new old one, so you can go first this time. All right. Well, I am going to go to something that I found that literally was added to Drive Through RPG today, and it's free. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like free things. Uh, like I said, I already downloaded it. It's called Mecra Descent. Oh yeah, I looked at this. That is really cool. Tell now, us about it, Steve. I. It's a mecha game. Yes. It says original system or other yes. unique system. Yeah. Um, it appears to be very centered around the mecha to the point it says it does not inherently possess a specific setting. Um, it is intended to also have space travel. So I guess you're into the Robotech-ish area of Mecha? That would be Robotech, Gundam. There's a lot of Mecha space travel. Yeah. Um, You know, it's citing as its influences um, amongst RPGs, Lancer, as well as Starfinder. Oh, I love Lancer. Um, I'm sorry. I, I really love Lancer. I read that a little while ago and I've been just like, there's such an involved system, but it's so cool. Also points to video games like ultra kill and quake and Titanfall. Very nice. 
I, I dig all of those games. You know, it's, it's got rich mechanics for player creation, mech creation and combat, GM toolkit for creating settings, and just endless possibilities for worlds upon worlds. And look, um, it's 187 pages. It's free. That is a heck of a deal for free. You know, I have not opened the PDF because I found it, I don't know, 15 minutes before we started recording. Yeah. But like I said, I like mechanical things. So I have another mecha title in my library. I think you would like Lancer too. I actually have like the free version, the legit free version they were given out. I just have never yeah. looked at it. I think you need to crack it open because you you really do like mechanical things and Lancer's very involved in its mechanical side. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other like Lancer's a very involved mech game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you might really enjoy that, but I really enjoy Lancer. I think it's cool. Hey. It, that's cool. Like I said, I have I just haven't looked at it. So Yeah. So that's awesome. I have a game, well, sort of a game. It's a um it's a setting for a game that we all know I really enjoy. Okay. Well, a setting is a maybe the incorrect term. It's a conversion for a game that I we all know I really enjoy. Okay. It is called Mutant City Spies by Pelgrane Press and Ken Height. Um, this is issue number four of Ken writes about stuff. Volume three. It is a espionage spec ops frame for mutant city blues. This is incredibly on topic with what we were talking about today. I know. I know. But whereas mutant city blues is this cop drama procedural thing. At least that's how I run that game. Mm -hmm. This is like James Bond meets you know well, I'm just uh, looking at the, the, co- the cover art it's very James Bond influenced right and I'm not a big James Bond fan but man you tell me that I can play spies in Mutant City Blues and you have my attention <laughs> I, I, I just the truth of the matter is, is that I really freaking love that system I love Gumshoe because um, every time I go back and look at it I'm like man this is a system this is the epitome of gets out of its own way because it takes a little bit of setup initial, and then once it's set up, it just it's non-existent. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the the little thing that you ran of that that we played. Yeah, I know. I um I want to get back to something like that at some point in the near future. Maybe something mm-hmm. with this. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, I really want to check out uh, NBA. NBA. Knights Black Agents. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I was just looking at a uh, uh, there's another. This, the Dubai Reckoning, which is a thing that's on sale right now, too. It looks really neat. But yeah, I, I, so that is, again, Mutant City Spies. It's a, I guess you could call a conversion. It's, it's, it's the rules and everything to run a Spec Ops style game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very cool. It sounds extremely interesting to me. Yeah. And being that it was written by Ken Height, I'm sure it's, absolutely quality oh yeah that is somebody that when i see that name i'm like oh yep uh-huh uh-huh We're yeah just... and it's all of like three dollars and change currently yeah it is currently on sale through september Normal um price is only four dollars and change so oof, it'll really break the bank on you there but 
Yeah, with all that being said, uh, it is September, which means that PGX is right around the corner. That is the end of this month, mm-hmm. uh, September 30th to August, or August, October 1st. Um, <laughs> Hang on. Let me call Alex, explain to him. Yeah, we just extended your convention by uh, 11 months. Six, yeah, 11 months. <laughs> Wait, what? I hope you got. Uh, I hope you are ready to own the Monroeville Convention Center. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that runs through October first. That is um, again the Monroeville Convention Center, so about twenty minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Hotels are available near there. Uh, however, the dedicated hotel block for PGX has ended. So unfortunately, if you missed that, you missed it. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a link for badges and stuff in the show notes. Yeah, if you use the promo code in the show notes, you get a little discount. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's already, I mean, super reasonable. Oh, it's what, 35 it's, bucks for the weekend pass? 35 for the weekend. That's two days, unlimited gaming. They just announced that you can pick up your badges Friday night, so that's really cool. I I don't know, man. I It's a really good deal. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. But PGX is a great time. I'm really excited for it. I will be, uh, I have a game running on Saturday, starting at four. My game is going to be called Screaming for Vengeance. That is a Hell Knight setting or a Hell Knight game. So if you're in, I have to check and see if I got that email. Yeah. Cause I, I got my, all my confirmation stuff from them. Um, yeah. Hmm. When'd you get it? Uh, a while ago. It was like shortly after I um, I was asked if I wanted an early slot or a late slot. And then right here, I got it on. Oh, wait, it's the PDF attachment thing. Okay, August 24th is when I received mine. It's got all the dear valued game master and adventurers. So yeah, okay, okay, okay. Oh, I am two o'clock Saturday with Havoc Brigade. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm 4 p.m. Saturday. I didn't get on top of that fast enough. I wanted a later time slot, but it's okay. Um, How many games does Alex have up? One, two. Yeah, I only see two on. Or no, maybe there's. I don't know. But yeah, look, I'll tell you, y'all, if you get a chance to play Mutants and Masterminds with Alex, do it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm absolutely planning on getting in one of his games. <laughs> I'm a I'm a, a unguessed and have played Mutants and Masterminds almost exclusively with Alex. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I'll play that game. <coughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that's all in the show notes. Like I said, the discount code's down there too. You get a little bit off your ticket price, um, which is nice, especially, you know, 35 bucks is pretty good. And then even more off is even better. So if you're in the Pittsburgh area or willing to drive or commute, uh, come into the Pittsburgh area, come see us at, at uh, PGX. Yeah. Uh, and always the Patreon's listed down there. Come If you feel like throwing the show a couple bucks, come join the Patreon. If you don't have a couple bucks to throw the show, the best thing you could do is come and join our Discord. Mm-hmm. It costs you nothing, and it gives us a bigger, better community. And as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yep. All the this, that, everything, Patreon, Discord, email, if you want to 
if you really want to send us an email, I guess you can, but yeah, I think we've gotten like three from like general listener type people over the course of the whole time we've had it. Right. Um, you know, but I mean, it's there because it's just much easier to get a hold of us on discord or whatever. You know, there's our drive through affiliate codes there. Yeah. If you want to pick anything up from drive through, use our affiliate link. That way we get a little kickback and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Exactly. Yeah, and as always, uh, we want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.